0: Josh Eaton. Alright, well, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, so open your Bibles there as we uh, kick off thinking about um, a right, a biblical world view. As uh, you, you guys, if, uh, if you go to church here. Just want to commend you. You're doing a great job putting up with Caleb. <laughs> uh, just want to encourage you in that. Uh, I know I praise the Lord for Caleb and God's work in his life. And even uh, I've wanted him to become a pastor and settle into one place for a long time and so it's just really good to to see him uh pastoring a local uh a local church and uh, praise the lord for that uh so romans chapter 12 this is the word of the lord verse 1 and 2 i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercy of god to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Pray with me. Father, as we look at this passage of Scripture from your Word, I pray that you will make it effectual in our hearts, that you will cause our minds to be renewed in thinking of this scripture and dwelling upon your mercies toward us. I pray that you would shape us and conform us to your image instead of the world. Show us the areas of our life where we are being conformed to the world and bring conviction of sin and our failure to conform ourselves to your word that we may repent and trust in your word and do things according to your will and not our own. We ask these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So the title of my sermon is The World and the Church. Who's conforming to who? Who is being conformed to who? The main focus of this passage would be verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. I want to ask a series of questions in order to just set the stage in our mind. Questions like these has the visible church been influenced by the world or maybe we should just give it and say how much has the visible church been influenced by the world yeah. does the world seek to influence the church is, is the world seeking to influence the church of god the saints of god does or do do we do we even think in that category? We know that the church ought to influence the world, but is the church influencing the world? More specifically, we could ask how is your church influencing your community? What impact is it happening? Is it having? If it were gone to, tomorrow. Would anybody miss the church? Would would it make any difference for eternity if your local congregation were gone? Has the world been influenced by the church? Has How much has the world been influenced by the church? If we're going to ask the question, how much has the church, church been influenced by the world it's also appropriate to ask the question how much has the world been influenced by the church is the church influencing the world more or is the world influencing the church more which is happening more now there was a time in in the history of our country where The church was most adamantly concerned about influencing the world even more, uh, most adamantly in a way that is kind of foreign to us today. For instance, Cotton Mather from 1691 said, The world is a little while hence to have a new face upon it. And in that new world, the Lord Jesus Christ shall have as much influence in the hearts and lives of men as now the devil has. The intentions of Christians, saints, that came to America was to intentionally influence the new world for Christ and to build a Christendom, to build a, a country, a place that was founded upon God and his will and his word. So when we think about worldview, worldview is important because it influences everything else you think about. Your worldview uh, is seen in how you view education or worship or children or authority or government or family or fatherhood and motherhood or economics and politics and sex, trees and birds and all of creation. Your worldview will, will influence what you think about everything else in this life. In this passage in Romans, we are called to not conform to the world, but verse 1 starts by telling us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And that's because our bodies, and note that he he doesn't say present your spirits, present your souls as living sacrifices. Notice that he says your body, who you are in this flesh and who you are, who God created you to be, in this world, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, meaning everything that you do. And he's using, of course, Old Testament language, calling it a sacrifice, but he puts the word living in front of it because we know in the Old Testament, anytime there was a sacrifice, well, the sacrifice died, right? It was the death of the sacrifice. But now in Christ, because... Jesus has been the final sacrifice. Now we are called to be living sacrifices in our body. So that means what we do with our body matters. Right. We, are, we are not Gnostics. We are not mystics as if, oh, it, you know, we sometimes use the phrase, well, it's, it's the thought that counts. Well, no, no. What you actually do in your body—that's what counts. What you—you know—it's—it's—it's—it's—it's you know, it's, 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 it's a nice sentiment that you thought, but thinking is not enough. It's what we do in our bodies that matters. Our bodies are to be a living sacrifice, and our bodies are to be holy and acceptable to God. So we know that we are in the flesh, and we have a sin nature. But even that is called to be renewed in our mind. And the work of Christ in his ruling at the right hand of the throne of God, part of what he is doing is sanctifying us. And that includes our body. That includes the work that is being done in our body. And, and he finishes this by saying, this is your spiritual worship. Now, you shouldn't think of this the way a lot of people do with, with music. Well, I just felt the, the Spirit or uh, making it some kind of mystical, emotional experience. That is not what Paul is communicating in this text. He's saying, offer your bodies and then you will have this real, genuine worship that that calls you in, like right? that you just feel it. No, he's talking about Spiritual worship and spiritual worship is worship that is governed by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and is directed by the Holy Spirit in the will of God. Uh, it, it's ironic to me that so many times people will say, man, I just really felt the Spirit in that service or what they're hearkening to some emotional experience that they're having but when you when when you preach a toe-stomping sermon at times nobody walks out and says man the 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 spirit was in that I just feel horrible (laughs) they always equate feeling good with the spirit but never feeling bad with the spirit and that is Absolutely, that, that comes for itself from an unbiblical view, worldview of the Spirit, who the Spirit is. The Spirit has come to convict of sin. That is a work of the Spirit of God. And so when we think of spiritual worship, we think of we should think of worship that is governed by the Holy Spirit, and not just our feelings about the Spirit emotions are fine and feelings are good and there should be a stirring in your soul when you hear the goodness of God preached and there should be that but it shouldn't be that we are seeking that above God many times there's the seeking in worship of the feeling rather than the God who saved us and so think of it that way but we are called To uh, conform to God's word and not to the world. Conforming to the world then, since, since the first verse talks about this is your spiritual worship. And then it says, do not be conformed to the world. What does that mean? It means that if you're being conformed to the world, you're not worshiping in the spirit. If you're being conformed to the world, you're not truly worshiping God. And that includes even if you feel great about your worship. (laughs) You might feel good about your worship, but if you're being conformed to the world, it's still not spiritual worship. So here, conforming to the world is a failure to worship God and more specifically, it's a failure to worship God in your body because that's what we're talking about, in your bodies. So conforming to the world is, the, it's, it's, first of all, that's the natural drift of everyone. If you, if the reason we have to be told, do not conform to the world, is because that's the natural way we're going to go if we don't we're, we're, if you don't paddle upstream, you will be drifting. And so if you're not paddling upstream, you're drifting. You, you're going with the world unless you're fighting the world. Are you fighting the world? Are you fighting not to be conformed to the patterns of this world? If you're not fighting intentionally so, then you're drifting and you don't realize it. You. So it, it must be... Intentionally and consciously fought against in order to be conforming. So, first off, how do how do we do that? How do how do we can fight conforming to the world? Well, by being a part of a church that regularly preaches hard truth to our souls, truth that pushes against the drift, Uh, truth that puts up a dam. While we're drifting down. Truth that pulverizes the lies of the world even when we don't like it. And and we don't just need this when we realize we need it. We need it when we don't realize we need it. And that's why it's important to be a part of the body of Christ, the local body of Christ, all the time, regularly, in Bible study, in hearing the Word of God preached, and in and bringing it home to studying God's Word for ourselves, digging in. You need God's Word today. They're, they're, the, the, you need God's Word as often as the world is trying to conform you to it. And how much is that? Every day, every moment, every commercial that comes through, every movie you watch, every, every billboard you drive by, every radio, every country song that goes through your ears, every other kind of song that goes through your ears, worldview is being pumped in to your mind, and it's not always good. That's right. And even, let me tell you a secret, even the country songs that mention God are some most often teaching a false worldview. Right. Even those. You can't be deceived by the world just because they mention God. Further, not only should you be a part of a local church so that your worldview is biblical and not going with the world and studying God's word and being held accountable by that local body of believers... Where people interact with you and ask you, what have you been reading in the Word? What have you been studying? What have you been doing? How, how is your marriage? How have you been treating your kids? What, how, how is your attitude lately? How many times have you lost your temper lately? What is Things like that need to happen in a local body of believers. We need to be held accountable by asking questions like that. So we're not being conformed to the world. The question is, what does the word world mean? Um, Jesus, or Paul here, does not mean do not be conformed to the earth. (laughs) He does not mean uh, the word actually is uh, age. But the idea is the world system, the fleshly nature that is uh, fighting uh, against the kingdom of God. It's the worldview that is contrary to, to God. So when it says do not be conformed to this world, it means don't be conformed to the thinking of this world. Don't be conformed to the practices of this world. That means that we have a view about sexuality and we have a view about Education and about worship and children and authority and government and family and our views about all of those things. We seek to govern what we think about those things from the word of God and not not what MSNBC says and even not what Fox News says, but what God's word says. So we we need to make sure that we are doing that in in John 17, when Jesus prayed for his disciples and for all who would believe, John 17, 14 to 16, Jesus says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, Jesus is not of the world, saying they are not of the world. He's he's. Where did Paul get what he's saying in Romans? He got it from Jesus. Jesus is saying the same thing. He says, goes on, verse 15. I did not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He said, we're staying in the world, but we're not of the world. Just as a similar thing... That Jesus said to Pilate in John 18, 36, when he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. He is saying, My kingdom's not of this world system. My kingdom is not of a governing authority like Pilate. It's not of the Roman Empire. It's not of this sinful, wicked, unjust system that would crucify an innocent man even when the governing official says, I find no fault in this man. Right? It's not of this world. It's, it's different. It's different. So if you, to, to bring this, home, then, not only are we to be against the world's way of thinking, like like when we shoot for extremes here, I'm sure that we're all on the same page as far as some of these things go, like boys can't be girls, or sleeping together outside of marriage is a sin, or people ought to be able to or, or getting abortions is a sin. Or gay marriage, mirage, is a sin. Or drag queen events or shows are sin. Right? We, we all get that. But where we see adrift in the church, in Christians, is not that we can say those are sin, but that we actually are okay with everyone else doing them like as if there's no problem. So if you think that uh, you, you if you think that you know boys can't be girls but you think that it's okay for other people to transition even though you wouldn't. Is that okay? Like or if you think well I would never I know that it's wrong to sleep together outside of the marriage but what other people do is their own business. If you think people ought to be able to get an abortion, it ought to be legal for them to get an abortion and murder their child, even though you say, well, I wouldn't do that. If you think that it's okay or good for gay marriage to be legal, even though you wouldn't do that. If you think that a drag queen show should be legal to do, but you wouldn't do it, then I would suggest to you if those who think that way have not only been conformed to the world, but let me say this bluntly, not only have those who think that way been conformed to the world, but their minds have been seduced and drugged and raped by the world. They have bought lies hook line and sinker and then what they have done is said okay here world do what you want i know you're trying to influence us keep at it it's like you've put your hand of approval upon the world trying to take your children you've put your hand on the world of them trying to to influence the church So, who's influencing who? Who's conquering who? Whose worldview will win out? Whose worldview is even attempting to be won out? It seems, in many many cases, that the world is actually trying harder to influence the church than the church is trying to influence the world. And the church has said, okay, okay. And in many ways... Even that in and of itself is a is the church conforming to the world instead of the world conforming to Christ by the work of the church. Nope. We, we are called not to conform to the world. That's true. But we aren't supposed to just sit back and say, Well, I'm a non-conformist. I'm not conforming. I'm just not going to do it. I will not. I'm going to stay in my little home and I'm just not conforming. Well, it isn't that you're just supposed to hide in your own little homestead and stay there and just say, I'm not conforming. You're actually supposed to be the light of the world. And you can't do that. Jesus said, again in John 17, I'm leaving them in the world. There's a reason you're here. And it's to influence the world because you are, Jesus said, the light of the world. And you can't be a very good light if you just hide at home. You can't be a good light if you just hide you and your family in your little place and stay away from everybody. And that's that's not being a light, the light of the world. So another way to say this and to put it, use another c word is to say we are to conquer not conform right. we're, we're not to just not conform we are to to conquer we're to conquer by being transformed by the renewing of our mind well when our mind is renewed in god we see things so differently than the world that we seem crazy that we seem a little off but it's a glorious, it's a glorious seeing. It, we see so differently and we have so much joy in what we see that we can wake up on, on, on days that seem like the world is falling apart and we just go, wow, it's great to be here. Another day to go out and conquer. It's an, another day to live for the glory of God. Conqu- we are conquering by being transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can discern with our mind what the will of God is, not with our emotions. If, you, if it feels good, uh, it is good, is the world's way of thinking. If, if it feels good, it is good. That's what the world tells you. That is not Christianity. We are conforming to the world if we think that way. And we're to test these things. Test with your mind what we hear so that you may test, be renewed, the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is. You conquer by watching what you love. What you love what, what do you love? What do you spend your most of your time thinking about? First John 2.15 tells us, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, one way of conquering is to think about, and, and not conforming, is to think about, what do, what are my deepest loves? What are my deepest passions? Are they godly or just things that are transient and temporary and aren't going to matter in five years? Are you pouring all of your your life into something that is not even going to be here in 10 years, 50 years? Do you do you abandon the eternal things that God has called you to because you're Pursuing temporary things Do we neglect our children And their spiritual upbringing Do we spend time In family worship And training our boys to be men And our girls to be godly women Even from the youngest age Do we regularly do this Or is life so consumed With the temporal That that we don't even have time for that so we conquer by evaluating what we love. We also conquer by the means of grace, as I mentioned earlier, church and, and Bible study and family worship. But to to put these things just to, to put these things in your mind more straightforward and to hear the word of God call us to conquer. I want, I want to read a string of verses from different places in Scripture to just let them compound on top of one another in your heart and mind and let the weight of this sink in. And, and as I do this, I want to remind you that uh, our brother uh, Cedric is going to preach from R- Revelation 2 after a while and there is a call to conquer there to that church. And... And the word, the same word that is conquer in Revelation 2 is the same word in 1 John that gets translated overcome. Overcome is the same original word as conquer in Revelation. So listen to the Apostle John in chapter 5 verse 4. He says, for everyone who has been born of God conquers, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world our faith. John sixteen thirty three, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart I have conquered the world. Romans twelve twenty one Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. 1 John 2, 13, I am writing these things to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. 1 John two fourteen. I write to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the Word of God abides in you, and you have conquered the evil one. You have overcome the evil one. Or Romans 8.37 Know in all things that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Right. So we are called not just to sit back and go, Whoa, I'm not conforming. <laughs> Further, you're called to go conquer. That's right. You're called to conquer. Some Have been so influenced and deceived by the world that they think Christians should not even seek to influence the world. Or they think that Christians should not seek to enforce Christian truths, even in the church. Like, you can't force me to. Like, this is what God's word says. Listen to Noah Webster. Back to the beginning of America. In my view, the Christian religion is the most important and one of the first things in which all children under a free government ought to be instructed. No truth is more evident in my mind than that the Christian religion must be the basis of any government intended to secure the rights and privileges of a free people. Are Christians saying anything like that today? You know, the world, the, the, the influence of Christianity upon America in the late 1600s and 1700s was strong. Why? Because they actually went out and tried to conquer in the name of Christ. But Christians aren't trying that today. And we're listening to the world and the world is telling Christians, "Oh, you can't do that. You can't legislate your Christianity. You can't tell you what are they what are what are they doing? They're telling you that you can't strive to let the word of God lead to Christian laws. But what are they doing? They're just telling you to shut up. So we, so they can say, now, this is what the law ought to be because I said so. That's right. That's, they're telling you to shut up and so they can keep talking. And what are we doing? The church has bought that shut and shut up because, well, I want to make the world happy. I don't want to offend the world. Hogwash. Amen. You have listened to the world. You're being conformed to the world because you're listening to the world and you're not being renewed in your mind So you aren't even attempting to fight. You aren't attempting to conquer. Like Noah Webster said, the influence of the church was so strong in those early days that they were accused, and now, now I'm talking about early days as in Acts. The influence of the church in the early days of the church was so strong that believers were accused by unbelievers of turning the world upside down are any are any unbelievers today looking at christians and saying wow these people are turning the world upside down let's get back to that let's get back to them accusing us of turning the world upside down and may it be true there was a time in our country that people were so biblically literate that Bible references were everywhere. In fact, you can't even go to any state capital without Scripture all over the wall. Everywhere. And, and murals that people don't even realize what they mean, but they're biblical. You couldn't... Even when television first came out, you couldn't listen to an episode of The Twilight Zone or Father Knows Best or Andy Griffith or, or, uh, or, or many shows without some sort of biblical reference in them. But today, many churches are taking biblical references out of old hymns for fear that the people at church won't understand the lyrics. An example of that is, come thou fount. Come thou fount of every blessing. And a lot of people have taken out the line that says, here I raise my Ebenezer. Because they think, well, the church ain't going to understand that line. Let's put in something more easily understood. Well, shame on the church for being so biblically illiterate. Wake up, study God's word. At church, we ought to be the ones who know the Bible. And if not, we're growing in our knowledge of the Bible. Again, to quote Cotton Mather from 1692, just to show you what kind of thought they had in their mind as they came to America, he said, It was a rousing alarm to the devil. When a great company of English Protestants and Puritans came to erect evangelical churches in the corner of the world where he had reigned without any control uh, for many ages. And it is a vexing eyesore to the devil that our Lord Christ should be known and owned and preached in this howling wilderness." He said, it's, it's a vexing eyesore to the devil that Christians have come into this part of the world and planted churches so that they can share the gospel with the Indians. Let me ask you a question when it says, do not be conformed to this world. It's talking about the age, the system, the wicked system. But really, whose world is this? Whose world is this? There are many Christians who would answer that question by saying, well, the devil is the prince and power of the air. This is the devil's world. Whose world is this? Some people would say, well, you know, it's going to end and blah, 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 and, and Jesus will come back and, and make a new one. Whose world is this? Who is sitting on the throne? Right hand of the throne of God over this world, over this earth. Listen, Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the world and those who dwell therein. Psalm 33, 8. Let the earth fear the Lord. All the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Psalm 49, 1. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world. Psalm 89, 11. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it. You have founded them. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth, the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. Psalm 93, 1. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Psalm 96.10 Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established and it shall never be moved. He will judge peoples with equity. And again, I already mentioned Matthew 5.14. You are the light of the work. This work. Not, not some world that's coming. You are the light of this world. You know, when, when uh, in, in Romans chapter 4, it's talking about Abraham, and Paul says this for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world. How? Heir of the world? Don't you mean the heir of eternity, of heaven, of. Uh, of the world. It didn't come through the law it says, but through the righteousness of faith. Revelation 11:15 Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there was a loud there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of the Lord. And of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Over what? (laughs) The world. This world. Jesus is king. And he reigns. And this world is his. It is not the devil's. It does not belong to the wicked system. It does not belong to evil empires. It belongs to Jesus Christ. And you and I, if you are in Christ, are part of the army of hosts that Jesus is sending out under his authority. And he told us, go, therefore. That was the great commission. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I'm king. Now you go. Right. Go conquer. Go into the world. Right. Go John, when, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming in John 1.29, says the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and it said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He takes away the sin of the world. The church is supposed to influence the world in such a way That Jesus' authority and reigning is coming to end sin in the world. In the world. And you can't have a good sermon without a quote from Charles Spurgeon, so we'll make this a good sermon. Uh, Attempt it to be. He said, I myself believe that King Jesus will reign and the idols be utterly abolished, but I expect the same power that once turned the world upside down will still continue to do it. The Holy Ghost will never suffer the imputation to rest upon His holy name that He was not able to convert the world. And listen to this. We're not to conform to the world. We're to conquer. And if if part of our, if you're busy conquering the world, you're going to have less time to be conformed to the world. If you're if you're busy conquering, doing things for the kingdom, then you don't even have time to be influenced. You have less time to be influenced by the world. But if we're just setting back. Striving not to be conformed, well, we end up twiddling our thumbs and having time be more influenced by the world than we thought. And notice how Romans 12, verse 1 starts I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. Beloved, friends, we have a merciful God he has forgiven us much. And because he is merciful, because he is gracious, go. Don't be seduced by the world. Instead, be enraptured, be intoxicated with the love of God. And that the love that he has for you and go Conquer the world. made the church rise up and be stirred again like the early Puritans and Protestants who came to America and strive for the glory of God to conquer and, be, and influence the world rather than to let the world influence us. Father, I pray for your will to be done Stir the hearts of your people. Do great things through them. Help them as it has been said to expect great things from you and attempt great things for you. In Jesus' name, amen.